Thank you, Pastor Nikki. Thank you, team. You guys are amazing, as always, leading us into worship. Good morning, church. Uh, thank you, everyone, uh, for coming to church today. I like it. It's good. Yes. And it's only going to get better. Amen? Gathering as His people. It is the best thing to do. Uh, some of us I know have spent the last two days at Planet Shakers, uh, which is just an awesome, awesome conference. And uh, the, the three nights and two days before that as well for our teenagers experiencing Planet Boom, the youth conference, uh, literally a full room, uh, a couple of thousand teenagers just worshipping God praising God, getting on fire for the start of their year. How good is that? That's Southeast Queensland youth groups. I love that. I think that's a very, very, very good thing. And uh, I know that lots of you have lots to be thankful for and to praise God for. Uh, so I want to encourage you, if you've got a testimony, share it. Stick around this, uh, you know, this morning after the service and share uh, something with someone else this morning, something good that God has been doing in your life. And, uh, and let's champion each other, let's encourage each other, because that's the whole purpose of the gathering. Uh, if you haven't read it in a while, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, uh, verses 24 to 25, it actually tells us what to do for these very corporate gatherings. Uh, it says, uh, and this is what you can do in the morning and in the car on the way, it says, let us think of ways to motivate one another in acts of love and good works. And then it says, uh, about not forsaking the gathering, it says, and then encourage one another in those very acts of love and good works. Spur each other on, it says. That's my encouragement uh, to you guys. Every Sunday, think, okay, what do I, what do I want to say to that person? Or what do I want to say to her? What do I want to say to him uh, this morning? And come having thought of a way to encourage each other and spur each other on, because uh, who knows what the person next to you went through over the last six days. Could have been awesome, could have been awful, but uh, that's, the, that's the blessing of the gathering. Uh, so that's my encouragement to you, to stick around this, uh, this morning after the end of the service and just encourage one another. Uh, now this morning, we're going to be continuing uh, in uh, the theme of the way of the King, and uh, I've entitled my preach this morning, Close Again, Close Again. And I'm going to pray, and we're going to open up the Word, and we're going to dive straight into it this morning. We're going to be reading a lot from the book of James, and uh, a couple of other places as well. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much uh, for today. God, we thank you that today is your day. You've made this day for us. And God, we, we want to receive from you what you have for us. God, we want to receive from you a Word. Lord, we want to receive from you our breakthrough our healing, whatever it is, Lord, we want what you have for us. So God, we are asking you to speak to us today, to encourage us, to inspire us, to equip us. Lord God, help us to walk out more confident, help us to walk out more courageous, Lord, help us to walk out more equipped in the calling that you've given us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. Now, I've asked Jody to stay up just for a minute uh, and uh, you can just pause for a moment. I'm going to ask you to come back in uh, with me in a minute. And because uh, there's a moment that I want us to have towards the start of my message this morning where we would just give a moment and pause 
and uh, just experience the peace of God, experience His presence, and uh, just to really lean into Him this morning, because I've been praying, and I hope you've been praying too, uh, that God does something today, that uh, there's not just another day, but it's a great day, it's a good day in the house of God. You know, we've been, we've been going through uh, uh, being Christian, Acts, Acts of the Apostles, Acts again, acting out our faith, and uh, this morning is building upon that um, in terms of the ability to do those things. And it takes being close to God. And there is a closeness that God desires to have with you and I. My first question for us this morning, though, would be why be close to God? Why, why should we be close to God? Well, can I, can I encourage you with this one opening thought this morning that uh, to be close to God enables us to become like God. When you spend time with someone... Uh, and you enjoy their presence, you, you enjoy hanging out with them, and you begin to enjoy what they enjoy, and you like to do what they do, and uh, sometimes it rubs off on you. You start to walk, and talk, and eat, and drink, and do all the things like the way they do it, and that's the benefit of being close to Jesus, because Jesus is awesome, and to have the characteristics of Christ are only good for any human being. Whether they believe in Him as their Lord and Savior or not, to be close to Jesus, to become like Jesus, who Jesus was in Scripture and who He still is today, is only a good thing. Think about it. Think about the grace that He showed. Grace upon grace. He was moved towards human beings. Grace. Truth. Truth. Love. Think about love. You know, the amazing thing about uh, being a person of truth it's just freedom. It's freeing. When you live out truth, it's freeing. When you don't have to make it up or twist things or, or maybe even lie about stuff, it's so much easier to enjoy life. It's just freedom. And living close to God is true freedom. This morning, 2024, start of the year, January, I want to encourage you, start again. Start afresh. Understand that that is possible. Make a decision today and go, you know what? I'm going to start again. I'm going to start afresh. I'm going to set my eyes on Christ this year and I'm going to, I'm going to chase after Him. James, uh, Jesus' younger brother, uh, as most scholars believe, and uh, it's backed up by a whole lot of stuff, but uh, in James chapter 2, he said this. He said, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions. Can that kind of faith save anyone? Although we are saved by faith alone, it's faith in Jesus alone that saves us, it is by our actions that one can be known to have faith. James teaches us that the true faith will result in corresponding actions. Because otherwise it's just a belief. Lots of people believe in God, but they don't follow Him. Uh, James goes on to say, even the demons believe in God, and they tremble in fear at His name. But how many of you know that those naughty little angels certainly do not have relationship with Him? They don't follow Him. They don't do what He does. They do the exact opposite. It's not reflected in their lifestyle. 
do I say I'm Christian, but do I live Christian? It's a question that we could ask ourselves this morning. So, what stops us from being close to Jesus? What stops us from living how we should live? Void of sin, free of guilt and shame. Well, my friends, began in the beginning. Began in the beginning. Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 to 10. Let's check this out. It'll be on the screen. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. And then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden. So I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Jody, can you just play some worship music, please? And uh, I've asked Jody to do that, uh, church, because uh, worship is a gift from God for us. Uh, Music is a gift from God for us. I believe that it invokes a a spiritual atmosphere. Um, Worship is created by God. We were worshipped to create. Sorry, we were created to worship God. And so in a moment, I'm going to ask you to close our eyes. And uh, as Jody plays, I'm going to take you uh, through just a simple exercise of just focusing your heart and your attention on God this morning. But before we get there, why, why, why were they hiding from God? Because they had become ashamed of their nakedness. They had sinned. They had rebelled against God's command. They had done the exact thing that God asked them not to do, to not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. They did. And it says in Genesis that when they did, their eyes were opened and they were ashamed of their nakedness. And so they took it into their own hands to uh, sew some fig leaves together and to cover themselves. And then when they heard God come in the cool evening breeze, why was God there? He's coming to hang out with them, to commune with them, to spend time with them, to talk, to enjoy company. They hid themselves from Him. They were afraid, they were naked. They didn't want God to see them this way because of what they had done. God cries out to them, where are you? Where are you? I want you. I want to spend time with you. Where are you? Church, He came for you. He died for you. He loves you. This morning, I want to encourage you to just close your eyes in this moment and Let this be the beginning of falling deeper in love with Jesus. You know, in that moment, he he took some animals and he had to kill them. And he took their skin and he made them some clothes to cover their nakedness. He offered a sacrifice. And he chose not to walk away, not to look away, but he chose to lean in and to cover them. And to love them because he wanted to spend time with them. My friend, he still loves you today. He still loves you today. Come on, think about what you have to praise him for. 
What has Jesus done for you in your life? What has He already done for you in your life? What healing has He granted your body? What what gift has He granted your family? What what abilities He granted you to be able to do? Come on, this morning, what do you have to thank Him for? Maybe you're sitting there and you can't think of something. Can I encourage you that even if the only thing you can find within Him is your salvation, He has saved you. He has saved you from that moment in the garden. God put the greatest story of love in motion, the greatest redeeming story in motion. He wanted us. He came, where are you? I want you. I desire you. He covered our nakedness and He still desires us today. The cross is the proof. He has saved us. Just think about where you might be with Without Him, just think about where your life would be if you didn't have salvation in Jesus. Just think about the future of your life, where you might be without Jesus in your life this morning. Jesus, we love you. Holy Spirit, help us to fall in love again. Help us to fall deeper in love with Jesus. Holy Spirit, help us to put off doubt and distraction. Unanswered questions. Unrealized hopes and dreams. Holy Spirit, help us to recognize what Jesus has done for us. How far He's come for us. Lord Jesus, thank You for hanging on that cross for us. Thank You for exchanging our sin. For your life, thank you for exchanging places. God, thank you, Lord, that your sacrifice has covered our nakedness. Lord, that by your death, we can have life. Lord, that you chose us in the garden and you chose us on the cross and you still choose us today. No matter what we do, Lord, you love us, you want us. You desire us, you want to be close to us. You want good things for us. Lord, you genuinely care about us. You genuinely desire for us the best life. Lord, I pray that you would help us. Holy Spirit, help us to have soft hearts, to have open minds. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Church, I want to continue on with this thought process. Thank you, Jody, uh, for playing for us there. From the beginning to the end, from Genesis, where he instituted that story through the cross to the final book of the Bible, to a revelation that he gave one of his best friends, John. It's a story that God is weaving throughout all humanity for you and I. Jesus, the Son of God, God Himself, desiring us more than anything else, making a way for all humanity to live forever with Him. Revelation chapter 3, verse 14 to 22. You can follow on the screen with me as well. 
write this letter to the angel of the church in Laodicea. This is the message from the one who is the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's new creation. I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So I advise you to buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire. Then you will be rich. Also buy white garments from me so you will not be ashamed by your nakedness and ointment for your eyes so you will be able to see. I correct and discipline everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Jack, you crack that. Church, Revelation is a recording of uh, a series of heavenly visions that Jesus himself uh, gave to John, John the Apostle. Uh, John, uh, who self-described being the closest friend of Jesus, the one whom Jesus loved, made a statement. It's in Scripture. He's like, I got it in. (laughs) I was the best friend. I was the one that laid on the chest of Jesus around the table. Can I tell you, my friends, between brothers, that's close. That's close. You know what? If a brother was laying his head on my chest, that's, that's close relationship, okay? That was John. And he's been banished. Banished to an island, Patmos. Because the, the rulers didn't really know what to do with him. Because <laughs> all the apostles were, were declaring the goodness of being known as a child of God and were seeing so many people come to the faith of Jesus Christ. It was ripping through the empire of Rome. And uh, it was just awesome. And so John, that's like, just send him away. <laughs> Hopefully, he can't do anything over there. And uh, Jesus shows up and gives him a series of heavenly visions, revelations to the seven churches of the then Asia Minor, but also to you and I. And I love, I love this one. They each remind the readers that God is ultimately in control and He will reward those who overcome and remain faithful to him, we know how the story ends. How good, hey? Even if the movie gets a bit bad along the journey, it's a very good ending. Jesus wins, and we are on that team. You know, Roman emperor worship was becoming a critical issue at the time of writing, and believers were threatened with death all over. Persecution was ramping up. If they were unwilling to submit and worship Caesar, Lord of earth, It was into this context that John wrote down these visions to encourage the believers to hold on, to stand strong in the face of persecution. Keep doing what Jesus has asked you to do. Don't worry about what they might do to you. Stay strong because we know how the story ends. 
I wonder what our ancient Rome is today. I wonder what ruler is out there today trying to cause us to bend our knee and to worship them. I wonder what it is in our life in 2024 in Morrowfield and the surrounding suburbs. What what Rome is it today that distracts us and begs us to bow down and to worship it that requires our time? What is it in our life that sneakily creeps in? Comfort, possessions. What is it? Offering us an easy way out of doing what God asked us to do with our great commission. Just settle down. It's okay. It's not okay. It's not okay that there's people around us hurting. It's not okay. It's not okay that we carry the answer and that we sometimes hold that answer in. Come on, Mm -mm. not us, church, not us. Come on, let's be all in. Let's be a people that are all in. Let's not submit to our flesh. Let's not submit to the enemy of our souls. Let's not, let's not give in to the, to the nice stuff that we might be able to attain. Let's go again. Let's fight again. Let's pray again. Let's lay hands again. Let's believe again. Let's act out our faith again and be a church that Jesus would love to visit. Amen? Come on, red letter. Red letter. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door... I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Come on, church. From the beginning to the cross to the final book in the Bible, He still wants us. How good is that? No matter what, He still wants us. I love this. Revelation 3.17 talked about, about a nakedness without understanding. We don't even realize we're naked. We might be clothed, but is our soul clothed? We might have a home for our tent. Come on. But does our soul have a home? They were naked, without clothing, and without house and harbor for their souls. They were without clothing, had neither a garment of justification nor that of sanctification. Their nakedness, both of guilt and pollution, had no covering. They lay always exposed to sin and shame. Their righteousness were but filthy rags. They were rags and would not cover them. Filthy rags and would defile them. And they were naked without house or harbor, for they were without God. And He has been the dwelling place of His people in all ages. In Him alone the soul of man can find rest and safety and suitable accommodations. Matthew, Henry. So, I love that word. Come on, Jesus said, so. So. I love that despite all this, Jesus still leans in. And he offers us his advice. Desiring to cover us, to cover our nakedness yet again. He said, hey, you're naked. So. This is what I want you to do. And he goes into what he wants us to do. Why? Because he really, 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 actually, genuinely, really wants us. He desires us. Revelation 3.20. So, look. Look. He wants us to take note of this next point. 
Look, exclamation point. Look, take note, my friends, take note. And then he says, I, not a messenger, wasn't an angel of the Lord saying this to John. It's not an angel saying it to us. It's not a messenger. It's not a prophet. It's Jesus himself. I, I stand at the door and knock. Not only is it him, but he's standing at the door and he's knocking. Despite the state of our heart, despite the sin, despite the lust, the pride, he is standing there at the door and he's waiting and he's hoping. He's at the door because he wants you. He's at the door of your heart because he loves you. Doesn't matter what's going on inside, you've closed that door because you might be ashamed of your lifestyle or ashamed of your thought life or whatever it might be. So we've closed the door in our relationship to Jesus. We believe in Him, but we've closed off some of the relationship with Him. Maybe not all of it. Maybe we open the door sometimes and we welcome Him in when we're all right and we're good and we're reading the Bible and we're praying and we're back in church and we're doing those things. But then sometimes the door starts to close again because we get ashamed of our nakedness. And we wonder why we feel a bit of distance and separation from our king. But just on the other side of that door, he's standing there because he really, really wants you. And he's not just standing there hoping that you're going to notice. He knocks. He's knocking, knocking, hoping. Come on, hear me, hear me. Recognize, I am here. I want you. I don't want the door to be closed despite what you've done. I want to come in and I want to share a meal because I want to be your friend. He goes on, he says, if you hear my voice, he's not just knocking, my friends. He's calling out your name. He's calling out your name. He's knocking at the door. He's standing at the door and he's calling out your name. He wants you, my friend. He really, really wants you. Where are you? Where are you? I believe he stands at the door and knocks and cries out your name because there's a lot of other noise in our life. There's the devil that's calling out your name. There's the memories of the the sin calling out your name. There's the past of the shame and the regret calling out your name. And there's the voices of the world calling out for your name. They steal your data. They call your mobile phone up. They leave you messages. It's unbelievable. I love talking to them. They don't like talking to me by the end, generally, because I waste their time. When they ask for the numbers to get access into my phone or laptop, I, I recite the four numbers of minutes and seconds that I've held them on the line from scamming some other poor soul. Gosh, they get angry at that. <laughs> oh, it's a bit of fun. Jesus, after standing at the door and knocking and calling out to us, he makes a statement, if you hear my voice, Come on, church, if, listen, recognize the cross, recognize what he's done, recognize what he wants to do, recognize how far he's come for you and open the door. 
Let him come in. Come on, his response will be the same as it was in the garden. His response will be the same as it was on the cross. Come on, the devil likes to make us think that we're unique. We're the only ones committing the sin we're committing. No one else is doing it. It's such a lie. The person next to you is probably doing it. It's true. We're all fallen. We're all naked. But there are clothes to cover our soul. And there is a relationship of desire that he has for you. His response will be the exact same. He said, I will come in and we will share a meal as friends. Come on, if you want to be a friend of God this year, just open the door, welcome him in, create a moment with him, spend some time with your creator. He draws near to us by way of mercy. It's not anything that we can do. He's just madly in love with you. He's a God of mercy. It's undeserved favor. Come on, there's some people in the room that God wants to remind you this morning that He loves you and He's fighting for you. And He's defending you. He defends you every day in the throne room from the lies of the enemy. Listen to what He's saying over you today. Access to the benefits of our relationship with Jesus. Intimacy requires closeness. Intimacy in relationship requires closeness. There is a way to get close to God because there is a way to live. It's the way of the King. James puts it like this. James chapter 4, verse 5 to 8. Do you think the Scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate, that the Spirit He has placed within us should be faithful to Him. And He gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. You know, James, the brother of Jesus, during Jesus' ministry, was antagonistic towards his older brother. And fair enough, the guy was acting a bit strange. You know, if your older sibling started to do the things that Jesus was doing, you'd probably struggle too. Let's be real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if my older brother Luke... <laughs> yeah, uh, look, uh, he was a goody-goody two-shoes. I copped it all because um, I was bad. Um, but that's okay. Uh, God saved me. <laughs> Oh, man, sometimes I cry when I think of what I put my parents through. (laughs) It's awful. Young people, be good to your parents. They love you, and they want to love you more. Make it easy for them to love you more. You know what? If you're good to your parents, they'll be good to you. It's it's a real win-win relationship. It's on the table. But can you imagine being the younger brother of Jesus? Clearly, James struggled. Like, they, they didn't really know what was going on. They're like, but that's my brother. 
Like he's doing some pretty awesome things, but man, he's stirring up a lot of trouble. Now, maybe there was, maybe there was some good intention. Maybe he was embarrassed on behalf of his mum. Maybe he feared for his mum's life. Maybe he feared for his own life, for his sibling's life, because of the threats that were only getting more and more against Jesus. Maybe they thought, oh man, if, they, if, he, if he goes too far off the, off the planet, man, they're not just going to take him out. They're going to take all of us out. So maybe there was some genuineness to James's struggle with Jesus. But he soon humbled himself. I love that James, it tells us in Corinthians that James is one of the few that Jesus appeared to after he was resurrected. I love that. How cool is that? that, that that's, like, that's like, you know what, some special extra attention just because they were bros. But I like that. I think that's cool. Now, a whole lot of other people were visited by Jesus as well. But I love that James was one of them. You know, James went on to become one of the apostles. Within five years in Scripture, he was written as, as being an apostle of Jesus. Went on to become the spokesperson at the, the council in Jerusalem where they were trying to sort out all of the tricky questions about, about this new faith journey that Jesus was taking them on. He became a pillar in the church. Check this out. According to the early church historian Hegispus, James knelt in prayer so much that his knees became calloused. From someone who struggled with his brother to seeing him resurrected from the dead, spent so much time, they say, praying to his brother on his knees, praying now to his Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, that his knees became calloused. He became close to his Lord. And there's a process that James goes through and no doubt through some personal experience from him passed on to you and I this morning to get close again. Humble yourself, submit to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. You can't have the promise without engaging in the requirement of what God has asked us to do. You want the devil to flee from you? You've got to submit to God, then you can resist the devil then he will flee from you. You don't get one without the other. Now, yes, sometimes God is sovereign and God does intervene and God does do things that we're like, that is awesome. That is so cool. And sometimes he doesn't. We're a part of a much bigger picture that we really cannot understand. But the process, number one, humble yourself. This is our part. How do we humble ourselves? Well, James goes on to explain. Come close to God. If you're estranged from communion and conversation with Jesus, just open the door. He's there. Talk to him. You don't have to know how to pray. Prayer is just talk. Talk to him. Tell him about your day. Tell him about what you're doing. Tell him about your fears. Tell him about your dreams. Tell him about your desires. Just tell him anything. He knows it all anyway. He just wants relationship with you. Come on, he's standing at the door. So talk to him. Number two, wash your hands, it says. The things that touch, the things you touch, repent. Be reformed. Decide, what am I, what am I engaging in? What am I doing that I need to stop doing? Wash your hands. Number three, purify your hearts. These are the things that we desire, the things that we pursue. 
can I encourage you that what you dream about, the, the, the real core desires of your life, not the evil ones, the good ones, they're probably desires from God because He created you. And when you surrender your dreams and aspirations to God, too many people think, oh, I've got to to give it up, as if you're giving up the best option. <laughs> you're not. You're giving up something that's inferior, because if it's truly a desire that God has placed within you, He's the one that can make it possible. He's the one that can give you the better version of it, the best version of it. So I want to encourage you to willingly surrender it all to Him. Give it up, because you're probably just going to get it back, pressed down, shaken together, and brimming all over, more than enough for you and all the people around you. You know, the purity of heart was the failing of the Pharisees. They were hypocrites. To be a hypocrite is to say one thing, but to do another. To think that we believe one thing, but to act something else. And number four, live undivided. Don't be double-minded. It says your loyalty is divided between God and and the world. Live undivided. So the process, humble yourself, come close to God, wash your hands, purify your hearts, live undivided. Gives us access to be able to do the next step. Step number two, resist the devil. And I love the third step. He will flee from you. It's a promise. It's an absolute statement. Jesus said, he will flee from you. You can hold on to that. The promises. James finishes this passage with a statement, to be sad, to weep, to mourn, to recognize what your life is like without Christ in it, that it would cause us to humble ourselves before God, to recognize, to not live in pride, to say, God, I do need you and I do want you only your blood can cover my nakedness. Jesus alone can lift us up, and it says He will lift us up in honor. Can I have the band come back, please? Just my encouragement to you for my last point is to live undivided. You want to know what your purpose is? Get close to your king. You want to access the greatest favor you've ever seen? Get close to your king. Do you want to move in the greatest gifts? The gifts that would impact the body of Christ and the world around you? Get close to your king. you want to see salvation flow in you and through you? Do you want to see salvation come to your home? Do you want to see salvation rip through the streets that you live in? Then get close to your king. Come on, church, you want to be a part of revival here on earth? Then get close to your king. Come on, Solomon was the wealthiest man that ever lived and the Bible says will ever live. Even more than Mr. Tesla and Mr. Amazon and 
All the other Blackrock Vanguard big boys. No one will ever know that wealth. It's because he got close to his king. Joshua pulled down walls with a shout, with the declaration of his voice. How? Because he got close to the king. And the king gave him a way to live. The king gave him a way to see something shift in his life. The king gave him a way to do something that was literally physically impossible to take place. But nothing is impossible for our king. We got to get close to the king. Come on, church. You want to see something happen in your life this year? You want to see something shift out of your life this year? You got to get close to the king. Come on, Moses shone with such glory that he had to walk around with a veil over his face. Why? Because he got so close to the king. All of the greats of the faith in the Old Testament, the New Testament, and you know what? Not just in the Bible, but since they begin doing the Great Commission all the way till now, all of the incredible people that have done amazing things for God all around the world did it because they got close to Jesus. My encouragement to you is to get close again. Come on, if you feel like you've closed the door, just open the door. If you feel like you're having to cover something, just open up, let him come in and let him cover you. He'll do a much better job from the beginning in the garden. We sowed fig leaves to try and cover ourselves, something that was going to tear apart. Wasn't going to enable them to do the calling on their life because it was going to constantly break, constantly fall apart until God came and offered a sacrifice and put leather clothes on them so that they were able to still do what He had called them to do in church. He's saying to you today that there is a greater sacrifice that has been committed on your behalf and it's the precious blood of Jesus Christ and it is blood that covers you that nothing can get through. Let's get close again. Come on, would you stand to your feet this morning, church? And I've asked the team to just lead us in a time of worship. And I want you to worship Him. I want you to open up your hearts again. And I'm going to open up the altar this morning. Because if you want to come and lay something down, or you want prayer, or you need something in your life, I'm going to be down there and I'm going to pray for you. And anyone else, some of our team will be, will be able to come out and pray for you, whatever it might be. Let's get close again. I love this last one before we worship. Mary carried the Savior of the world because she was found close to the King. Come on, you carry the presence of God inside of you. It's time to let Him out. Come on, would you close your eyes this morning? Would you begin to just worship Him? Come on, would you, would you let Him ruin you? for the things of this world. Would you let him, would you let him come into your heart again this morning? He loves you. He wants you. He desires you. And he genuinely wants to be close to you this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Holy Spirit.